And today is October the 1st. Tomorrow is the, the full moon, the Pavarana day. This is the last full day of our group practice session here at the, the end of this rains retreat. We frame things in terms of time. Today, 8.30, October the 1st. Rains retreat coming to an end tomorrow. So automatic, so ordinary, such a solid part of our world. The schedule, the date. Me doing something today. Me going from this place to that place. Time passing by. These are the perceptions, the forms of the conditioned realm. Experience of the senses through the agency of this human life. But the practice of Dhamma teaches us to, to challenge that, to not be defined by that. Particularly since today being the last full day of the retreat, the, the vasa coming to an end, and then people having travel plans, places to go, things to do, work to pick up, messages to answer, responsibilities to fulfill. I always like to bring attention to this extra strength of the bhava-tanha, the desire to become. The extra strength that has at the the end point of a retreat time. How convincing, how compelling. I really have got things to do. I've got a ticket, I've got places to go. So this is the ideal time to look right at that compulsion, that pull on the heart that says, I have to, I am, I'm going, I'm doing. This is real. Because at times like this, that's most convincing, most compelling. Therefore, easiest to explore, to investigate. As Lumpur Cha said in his final message to, to Lumpur Sumato, as his health was failing, he sent a message from Thailand to, to Chithurst back in the early 80s. And in that last message he, he wrote to Ajahn Sumato, the Buddha Dhamma is not to be found in moving forwards, nor in moving backwards, nor in standing still. This, Sumato, is your place of non-abiding. 
These are simple words, but they cut very deeply. They go right to the very heart of the practice of Dhamma, the embodiment of Dhamma. In our everyday perceptions, I am going places. I walked from my kuti to the temple. It was just before 8.30. Now it's 8.34. I'm talking. Time is going by. You're sitting over there. I'm sitting here. These structures, patterns, perceptions seem so convincing. But if we take that principle of you know, the Buddha Dhamma is not to be found in moving forwards, nor in moving backwards, nor in standing still, what does that say about who we are, where we are? What does it say about time, location, identity? concepts and language. In the Udana, chapter 8 of the Udana, there are these two particularly significant teachings that the Buddha gave. and uh, It's very likely that uh, Lumpur Cha was say, inspired by or informed by drawing upon this very teaching in using those words for Lumbosomato. The Buddha says, there is that ayatana, that sphere of being, that dimension, where there is no earth, water, fire or wind. There's neither this world nor another world. There aren't the, the planes of formlessness, the plane of consciousness, infinite consciousness, infinite space, nothingness, or neither perception nor non-perception. In that ayatana, in that dimension, there's no coming, no going, no standing still, no dying, no reappearance. It has no evolution, no basis, no support. And then he says, this, just this, is the end of dukkha, the end of suffering. He also says, the unaffected is hard to see. When we try to imagine that quality, fundamental nature of Dhamma, no coming, no going, no standing still, no sun, no moon, no four elements, the dying, the reappearance, blows the mind, boggles the mind. It's literally unimaginable. The mind can't create an image for that quality. Because all images depend on three-dimensional space, here and there. Depend on time. An image arises, takes shape, dissolves. It happens in time. So how can we imagine timelessness? Where time doesn't apply. There isn't a past, present or a future. Where space doesn't apply. There isn't a here and there. Space doesn't apply. 
time doesn't apply. Individuality, subject and object, doesn't apply. Try to imagine that and the mind goes blank because the imagination has to draw upon sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, memory, imagination. And even if you're a mathematician or a physicist and you can write equations for 23-dimensional space, really in, the, in that ayatana number doesn't apply either. Conception, language, doesn't apply. So to bring about the end of suffering, there needs to be this profound letting go, a letting go of the conditioning of this mind, the habitual framework for experience, letting go of self-view and conceit, letting go of time, letting go of location. It's hard to see, as the Buddha said, the unaffected, the capital U, the unaffected, is hard to see. That fundamental nature of Dhamma is hard to, to see, but it can be realized, it can be known, can be embodied, even though the thinking mind can't create an image for it. doesn't need an image, doesn't need a concept or a word or a description because this is the fundamental reality of this very heart, this, this very being that we are, the very fabric of all nature, all reality is this, even if the mind can't create an image of it. Just because you can't create a picture doesn't mean to say it's not real. Ajahn Paniwado was one of the senior Westerners in Thailand, the elder Western disciple of uh, Nukdam Mahabua, made a very profound statement on this one time. He said, the five khandhas exist, but they're not real. The Dhamma is real, but it doesn't exist. It might sound like a pretty weird or unhelpful statement, but to exist means literally to stand out. X means out. That which stands out. So the sense world, the sound of my voice, the feelings of the body, colors and shapes, tastes and Ideas, they stand out, they're formed, they're part of the, the world of conditions, forms, structures. They stand out, but the Dhamma doesn't stand out. The Dhamma is unaffected, hard to see, unborn, unoriginated, uncreated, unformed. That which stands out, the five khandhas, are essentially empty of substance. They are sunya, void. They're not 
absolutely real. So when uh, Venerable Panyuwado made that statement, it's extraordinarily helpful, true, really. That which is the world of appearances, it stands out, it's tangible, visible, but it's not real. They are seemings. The five khandas exist, but they're not real. The Dhamma is real, but it doesn't exist, it doesn't stand out. It's subtle, indistinct. It can be awakened to, can be embodied, can be realized, but it can't really be described. We use words like akaliko, timeless, sanditiko, apparent here and now, ehipasiko, encouraging investigation. These are about as close as words can get to indicating those qualities. But they can't really encompass, they can't really accurately, fully and completely describe that quality. In the teaching it says, describes how the Buddha arises from the Dhamma. You can consider this as being a way of talking about a quality of awareness is the primary function of that fundamental nature. The primary activity of Dhamma is awareness. The Buddha arises from the Dhamma. So the bridge between the unborn, the unoriginated, the uncreated, the unformed, the unaffected, is this quality of awakened awareness. That's the bridge between the formless and the formed, the unborn and the born, the unconditioned and the conditioned. That's the interface, the bridge, the connection. And when that, that connection is clarified, when the mind is awake, aware, lets go of its habits of perception and unconscious beliefs, identif identifications, then that leads to the realization of Dhamma. The heart awakens to its own reality. It knows that fundamental, spacious, pure, limitless quality. It knows that timeless, selfless, limitless, unlocated quality. As the Buddha said in describing the, that ayatana, that dimension of the unborn, the unconditioned, just this, this, just this is the end of dukkha. When the heart awakens to its own reality, dukkha stops. And the most profound or, or uh, say, obstinate, challenging obstruction to that clarity is this sense of I, me the, the doer, me the experiencer, 
my mind, my body, my plans, my feelings, my memories, my age, my gender, my role in society. All of those I am's, that creates the greatest obstacle, the most substantial blockage to the heart, knowing, awakening to its fundamental reality. As the Buddha said to Meghya, when the, the heart is free of the conceit I am, asmimana, that is Nibbana, here and now. So during today, as those I am's arise, what I'm going to do tomorrow, or where I've got to go after the Vasa finishes, when I have to go to those meetings, or all the things on my list to do. Notice that I am, that selfing, the I-making and mine-making, ahankara, mamankara. Notice that, feel that, challenge that. Notice how the mind creates time, location, me going over there. I am going from one place to another. I am doing this thing. Notice how the mind creates those structures and believes in them. Notice that and challenge it. There's the appearance of a body moving along, legs going back and forth, but that which knows the movement of the body is ever-present, doesn't go anywhere. That which knows the passing of time is not affected by time. The clock ticks away as minutes march by, but that which knows time is ever-present. It's timeless. In those moments of clarity, when there is that non-creation of time and identity, location. Notice that. When we use language like the unborn, the unconditioned, the uncreated, or we try to imagine some kind of weird world where there's no sun, no moon, no stars, no time, no coming and going, no standing still, it can seem a bit spacey and confusing, disorienting, weird. But it's disorienting to the ego, to self-view. Disorient literally means to lose your east, to, to lose track of where the east is, where the sunrise comes from. So it's disorienting, confusing to self-view, to the ego, but to the jitta itself. Notice how that feels. In that moment where those habitual structures and forms are seen through, are let go of. Letting go of that conceit of I am. In the heart, how does it feel? What's the quality of that? Notice there's a, an ease, a naturalness, a simplicity, a peacefulness. No one going anywhere, no time, 
peaceful, spacious, normal. Feel that, know that. Let that simplicity, that normality, that spaciousness, that easefulness be what the rest of activity and perception is measured against. Let that be the baseline for experience. When the mind lets go of coming and going, standing still, lets go of identity, time, location, concept, number, language. In those moments, notice, feel that. Really open the heart as completely as possible to that. Let that be the, the ground, the basis for, for experience. And then, as the mind gets caught in coming and going, doing, being, past and future, that's much more visible, much more noticeable, easier for the heart to not get entangled, not get born again into those worlds. <laughs>